Hey, everybody. I am back. Um, sorry about the delay in getting an episode out. I uh, I did a little road trip last week, and um, which was kind of awesome, but I couldn't find really any spare time to record an episode. And um, well, and, and so get this. So I had this road trip tentatively planned around visiting my dad in Arizona. And if you're in a service or creative business like I am, this idea might work for you. So knowing that I was going to be uh, taking this trip, I reached out to a client that had a Southern California location. And basically I said, Hey, I could pop by there and do a shoot day, do some interviews, grab some B-roll and whatnot, you know, and as long as I'm uh, on the road anyway, I could just pop in and make this happen. And uh, it worked out great. The client probably wasn't going to fly me down to get this uh, done, but since I was going to be close or could be close, they hired me. Um, it was a pain in the ass bringing all a car filled with uh, like cases of video gear and having to bring it all into the hotel every night and pack it out every morning. But hey, a gig's a gig and everyone's happy. And if you're uh, in a service business like I am, um, you might try it. I mean, uh, even if you weren't going to be on the road, it's uh, could be a, an excuse to make a road trip if your client wouldn't pay for your travel. Anyway, on the way down and the way back, I had a lot of free time. It was a long drive, so I had a lot of free time to listen to podcasts and audiobooks. And I really shouldn't do this, but I did listen to some Dave Ramsey episodes. I know I shouldn't do it. I know I'm going to hear some complete bullshit that's going to raise my blood pressure, but I couldn't help it. And I got to tell you, um, on the way back, I came up through uh, the kind of the eastern side of Nevada on 93, and parts of that drive are really boring. So hearing uh, these Dave Ramsey episodes as they, as as parts of them made my blood boil, made the time go by fast. Um, and I want to share two things that I heard on his podcast that really pissed me off. Oh, and now Dave has reached the point where he's got substitute hosts sometimes, but they fully parrot his ideas and his religion. Um, and on one episode with these these substitutes, this nice young lady called in, and I think she was like uh, 25. Um, she had maybe like 30 grand in student loan debt, not, not a huge deal, but she was wanting to find out if she could afford to move out of her parents' house. And I agree with uh, their response, which was basically based on her income, they discouraged her from moving out while she had that student loan debt. But next came the really bad advice. So she had a pretty good job, and she was contributing to her 401k and they told her to stop contributing to her 401k until she paid off the debt. Now, I don't know the exact details of her company's plan. And of course, they didn't even bother to ask. But if she works for a half decent company and they have any kind of match, this is terrible, terrible advice. So the most common employer match arrangement is 50 cents on the dollar up to 6%, meaning that if she was putting away 6% of her paycheck and putting that into her 401k, the employer was going to match 3%. And yes, that's an instant 50% return on investment. So this young woman, oh, she was making like 90 grand, I think. So if she was putting 6% away, that's $5,400 a year. And her employer was popping in 2,700. And by reducing her taxable income by that $5,400 at a marginal tax rate of 22%, she'd be saving another uh, 1188 in federal income tax by making that contribution. So between her employer contribution and the tax savings, she's up almost four grand, which that makes it almost a 74% return on investment. And telling her to stop doing that is just asinine. So those geniuses on the Dave Ramsey show, 
said, yeah, you got to stop contributing until you pay off your student loans. Um, and with your average student loan interest rates coming in at maybe four or five percent, that math is dumb. It makes no sense. And what I hate so much about the Dave Ramsey show and his cronies, um, when they deliver this kind of shitty advice is that it's given, it's given as a total absolute without running the listener through any kind of numbers. This young woman was clearly smart and she could have easily understand what I just explained to you, but they just threw out this absolute admonishment at her. And, uh, you know, based on her response, I think she's going to take that advice. So she's going to miss out on an insane ROI, I, again, almost 75%. And she's going to miss out on a couple of years of compounding in her 401k. And if you understand compound interest, well, again, this is criminally bad advice. So hear this. If you have the opportunity to get a 70 plus percent rate of return by contributing to your 401k and you choose not to so that you can pay down a student loan that's clocking in at 5%, you're being reckless and irresponsible with your money. And that's just another example of terrible advice coming from the Ramsey show. Um, so on another episode, someone called in asking about the pros and cons of using credit cards to accumulate miles. And basically, I, I think it was a dude who was hoping to talk his wife out of wanting to use credit cards. And this one was really hard to listen to because the host guy, again, it wasn't Dave himself, but the host was so smug and so condescending about how dumb people are who collect points. And he was like, if you need to use a credit card and use points to take a vacation, you probably can't afford to take the vacation. And, and just in case you haven't listened to much Dave Ramsey, his whole basis for not using credit cards is that you, the listener, don't have the self-control required to pay off your card at the end of the month. You're too fucking dumb to understand how high interest rates are on credit cards. So inevitably, you'll start racking up a balance and end up in mountains of debt. So credit cards are forbidden, cash is king, and if you must pay electronically, you will use a debit card. And well, you know, know thyself. If you know that you can't control your spending, if having a credit card is going to lead you to making rash purchasing decisions that and spending beyond your means and whatnot, well, and if you're a child with no impulse control, this could be good advice. But if you're self-employed like I am, you're going to need to spend money on your business. And in a lot of cases, you're going to need to travel. I mean, I remember like 20 years ago, my buddy Moose told me, and this was great advice. He said, pick an airline, one airline, and pick a hotel brand, one hotel brand. Be as loyal as you can, meaning when you make your travel decisions, fly on your main airline whenever possible and stay at a hotel property under that one brand whenever you can. And get rewards credit cards for both the hotel and the airline. And that's what I did. I'm in Portland. Uh, so I knew that the majority of my flying was going to be on the West Coast. So Alaska Airlines was my choice. Um, lots of flights out of Portland. Really great service, especially 20 years ago. Um, and a solid partner program with lots of international options for points redemptions. As for hotels, and again, this was a long time ago before a lot of consolidation, um, I went with Marriott. I was going to go with Hyatt or Starwood or whatever, but I'm really glad I didn't. Um, and then uh, Marriott absorbed Starwood a while back. And well, anyway, I've been happily collecting Marriott points for over two decades, and it's been great. Um, but this dude on Dave Ramsey was just giddy about how intellectually superior he was for using a debit card and paying cash for all his vacations. I mean, 
you, you got to buy stuff, right? And honestly, how often do you use cash, especially for business expenses? So while this dickhead is talking about people like me who collect and use points like we're complete idiots, I started thinking about the life experiences that I've been able to have simply because I collected points against this guy's advice. I mean, it, like my first in big international trip, um, which I took the year after I quit my job, I went to Australia and flew for free on Qantas using Alaska points. And I used Marriott points to stay um, again for free in Sydney and Melbourne. And the next year I went to Peru again, used points to get there, stayed free at uh, Marriott in uh, the Miraflores district. Um, I, I did have to pay uh, to get to Cusco and, you know, to see Machu Picchu and whatnot, but still got down there for free. Um, and I'm not going to bore you with all the free travel I've done on points, but suffice it to say that if I would have taken Dave Ramsey's advice, I would have seen a lot less of the world than I have. Okay, one more example. So if you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm not rich. I don't have a ton of money. I'm a middle-class small businessman, and that's all good. But the first time that I went to Europe, thanks to Marriott points that I'd accrued by staying at Marriott properties whenever possible and using my Marriott Rewards credit card, I got a free room for, I can't remember, four nights maybe at a five-star hotel, the the Paris uh Marriott Champs-Élysées. Um, and now this was the first and only time I've stayed at a five-star hotel, but it was really cool. And the room that we had was literally three stories. You'd enter at one level where there was like a bathroom and a closet. You'd go up five or six stairs to this main living area with the bed and the TV and whatnot. And then there was a loft area with a desk, kind of a, kind of an office space. It was completely awesome. And if you've ever been to a city like Paris, New York, or Tokyo, you know that the rooms, even the nice ones are tiny. So to stay in a three-story room in a five-star hotel, like three blocks from the Arc de Triomphe is completely badass. So all that said, I got to tell you, I don't really, I didn't really dig staying in that place. I mean, uh, if you wanted ice, you got to call the front desk and some frog in white gloves comes to you and brings you an ice bucket. And well, I personally just prefer to go down the hall to the ice machine. But long story short, I'm grateful that I did not listen to Dave Ramsey's advice on rewards. Um, and getting back to that episode, the dude was just, he was just so smug about it. I mean, their whole platform is that you're a total dumbass if you don't take their advice. And credit cards are going to lead you to the poorhouse or debtor's prison if you use them. And eh, anyway, enough about Dave Ramsey. So another thing that I listened to on my little trip, which I'd highly recommend, is a recent audiobook by the great... Saifedean Amos uh, called The Fiat Standard. And Saifedean, if you don't know him, is the author of The Bitcoin Standard, which I truly believe that everyone on planet Earth over the age of 16 should read. Once again, that's The Bitcoin Standard. Anyway, if you have a chance, check out both Bitcoin Standard and The Fiat Standard by Saifedean, because really... Um, I think that Saifedean is one of the great economists of our time, and these books are super valuable. I'll put links in the show notes. Oh, and one last thing that I want to talk about today uh, is yet another reason why millennials think that we older people are dicks. Now, they've already got plenty of reasons. I mean, we love to blame them for all the world's ills and talk about them like they're dumb. But today I found an article on marketwatch.com and... It's a mixture of clickbait and just plain old 
old man assholeness. And the article is titled, Millennials Have Solved the Retirement Crisis. And it's an opinion piece by a dude named Brett Ahrens. Um, and the, the piece just launches straight into the snark. It starts with this. Wow, it looks like millennials have totally solved the retirement crisis. And it turns out it was a lot easier than anyone realized. The solution? Cryptocurrencies, of course. So he references this survey that just came out that revealed that 38% of millennials own crypto and 37% own stocks. And you can probably guess where it goes from here. Here's a couple more lines. He says, it's yet more evidence that millennials, now aged 26 to 41, really are the smartest generation ever. And why not? Anyone who has read the Harry Potter novels knows that solving a financial crisis is easy. All you have to do is call something a digital, quote, asset, then wave a magic wand at it like flicking your wrist and saying Wingardium Leviosa, making sure, of course, to get the pronunciation right. Then just watch as the value levitates to whatever you want. Okay, so this guy's anti-crypto and he uses heavy condescension and smugness to make his point, kind of like Dave Ramsey. But again, he shows that he has no idea what the hell he's talking about because in the next paragraph, he talks about the Bitcoin valuation being bigger than Coke and Pepsi combined, but then goes straight into talking about a Beeple NFT that was sold for 50 million bucks. So he's trying to conflate Bitcoin with NFTs. And really, can you blame millennials for trying to find alternative assets to invest in? I mean, if you were coming of age in the 2008-2009 financial collapse, you probably would too. But this smug asshole feels the need to ridicule an entire generation because a third of them hold an asset he doesn't have the intellectual curiosity to even learn about. Anyway, if you want to read it, um, it won't make you any smarter, but it'll help you understand why millennials think that we older people are a bunch of dicks. I'll put the links in the show notes. And that's it for today. Um, and, uh, you know, I talked a bit about credit card rewards, and I'm all in on my BlockFi rewards card right now. I still use my Marriott card for hotel stays and my Alaska card for flights, but pretty much everything else is going on my BlockFi card. Every month, I'm averaging maybe 40 or 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin as my reward, which goes straight into my BlockFi account. And uh, if you want to support the show, and if you want free Bitcoin, and BlockFi will give you free Bitcoin when you fund your account, and if you want a credit card that'll give you 1.5% back in Bitcoin, Oh, and the card has no annual fees, which is great. Um, I haven't paid one cent in interest because I pay it off every month. Anyway, uh, again, Dave Ramsey, you can suck it. And I don't pay any fees. So go to rogueretirementlounge.com slash crypto, and it'll take you straight to the BlockFi signup page where you'll get free crypto and you can sign up for the rewards credit card and you'll be supporting the show. Once again, that's rogueretirementlounge.com slash crypto. And that is it for today. Pray for Ukraine and have a great weekend. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 